Hello, and welcome to the Federal Contracting Made Easy podcast, where we take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that any small business owner can master. Now, let me introduce your host, Nancy Byerly. Hello, and welcome to Federal Contracting Made Easy, where it is our goal to take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that anyone can master. This is episode number 92, and today we're going to discuss how does the government evaluate my bid. But before we get started, let's take a moment and roll that intro, shall we? Welcome back. Congratulations, you've submitted your first bid. Well done. Now what happens? Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Now that you've finished your part of the process, the buyer must take over and do his or her part. Before the buyer can start, he or she must wait until the deadline due date. Once all the proposals have been received, the buyer can bid the evaluation process, ultimately making a final decision on which company wins the contract. Today, we're going to go over what happens during that evaluation process. We're going to discuss factors that can determine outcomes. We're going to go over quality control, a little bit on the government competitive range and why they need it, and then we're going to do a summary. Let's go on. Here's the overview of the request for proposal process. Step one, the agency issues the proposal. Step two, the agency receives your bids. Step three, the agency puts together an evaluation panel to review and evaluate your bids. Step four, all the panel evaluates all the proposals based on a complete set of evaluation factors. Step five, they report their findings to the decision maker. Step six, the decision maker has a choice to do either one or two things. A, they will select a contractor. Or B, they're going to establish a competitive range that includes all the most highly rated competitors. Step seven. So if they do it based on B, where they select a competitive range, then the agency is going to go negotiate or open contract discussions with the remaining competitors. Step eight, the agency asks the remaining competitors to submit their final revised proposals. Step nine, the agency receives those proposals. Step 10, the agency reconvenes that panel and they reevaluate the final proposals. Step 11, agency evaluates. Step 10, the agency conveys that panel together again for the evaluation of the final proposals. Step 11, agencies evaluate all the final proposals. Step 12, the panels report their findings to the decision maker again. And step 13, the decision maker does the selection of the final contractor for award. And 14, the decision maker announces the award of that contractor that won the contract. What happens during an imitation to bid IFB evaluation process? 
So remember, and an, an invitation to bid is a non-negotiated bid. The government's not going to come back and, and request you to negotiate. And we discussed invitation to bids in previous ex- episodes. So generally, an IFB is a sealed bid where the best valued bidder wins. The government will open the bid and the information is recorded on a bid abstract sheet. Well, the government's going to record the following information. Company name. Items being bid. Prices quoted. So these bid abstract sheets can be very useful to you, whether you receive the contract or not. And since the information contained in the bid abstract is considered public information, you can obtain it by just asking for it. You will need to include a self-addressed stamped envelope along with your bid. Also, you should include a letter stating that you're requesting the bid abstract under the Freedom of Information Act, otherwise known as FOIA. Remember, we had discussed FOIA in previous episodes. So why request a bid abstract sheet? The bid abstract sheet will tell you where you stood in the bidding process. If your bid was in the upper third of the pricing range, then you know that you were outside the competitive range. If your bid was in the middle range, then you know that you're doing better, but you're not in the ideal range yet. The best place to be is in the lower third. You may not have won the contract, but your bid was in the right place. You're generally right there, just beat out by another contractor. You didn't win the invitation to bid? Don't be upset or down because you didn't win the bid. After all, no one will win all bids. If you remember from a couple episodes ago, we talked about win-loss ratio. I said before that the average win-loss ratio is 1 out of 10, and that's mainly for contractors that are getting started in government contracting. More established contractors will generally be in the 3 um, three to 5 out of 10 range. So what happens during the valuation process? And let's talk about that. For negotiated bids, request for proposals and request for codes. If the solicitation was a request for RFP or RFQ, which is considered a negotiated bid, then the information on the bidding company's pricing, etc., is not considered public information. Only the successful bidder's name and the contract price will be available for, to the public. In order to evaluate where you were in the bidding process, you can only compare your bid to the successful winner's bid. That information will not tell you where you ranked in the bidding process, but it will give you an idea of your standing. Factors that influence bidding outcome. Are there any factors that the buyers considered in looking at your bid and deciding on selecting the winning bid? Here are some of the most important factors to consider. Did your proposal meet all the essential requirements? The first thing that buyers will do is review your bid and see if you conformed with all the essential requirements contained in that solicitation. Did your proposal meet all the evaluation factors? Did your proposal include exact conformance to all the specifications, drawings, descriptions, and standards specified in that solicitation? Also, did the materials, delivery dates, packaging, and marking requirements past performance history meet the requirements in the solicitation. Many of the times, these factors are referred to as best value. Are you capable? Remember that buyers must determine whether you can perform and deliver on the contract. 
Buyers are going to review your technical capabilities and they're going to try to make sure that you have the experience and know how to do the work. In addition, the buyer is going to look at your production capability. If your contract calls for 10,000 gadgets and you have only one drill press, one milling machine, and one part-time employee, you can't meet that requirement. Another major consideration is working capital. Many small businesses think that a government contract will get them out of a financial trouble. That is not the case. A government contract is not going to fix your problems. You still need to have adequate working capital or finances in place to perform on the contract. It's not feasible for the government to get you out of a jam. You need to be prepared for bidding on the government contract. Now remember, if, if the buyer determines that you're not capable of performing a contract, you can ask the U.S. Small Business Administration, otherwise known as SBA, to perform a Certificate of Competency, otherwise known as a COC. We discussed the COC in previous episodes. But you must prove to SBA that you can perform on the contract. SBA will review your business documents and may even perform a site visit in order to make this determination. Lastly, your past performance. A buyer is going to review your past performance record. If you failed on your first contract or if you have a history of not delivering on your past contracts with the government, they're not going to give the work to you. In order to work with the government, you must meet strict deadlines and delivery schedules. If you are late, the government's like an elephant. They tend to get upset and they never forget. Even if price is the deciding factor, the government will consider past performance in evaluating out the real cost of an item. In other words, if you have poor past performance, do not bid on a government job until such time as you resolved all your issues. There are multiple government databases that you need to be aware of. Business Partner Network is one of them. At this website, you can find out your company's delivery status by going to the site. This is a single source for vendor data for the federal government. The BPN search tool provides unprecedented access into several key databases across federal agencies. In addition, this site is also li will list your patent's performance history. Let's talk about PIPRS. PIPRS is your past performance information retrieval system. It's going to contain performance information for your point of contact in your SAM system for award management profile. Hold the presses though, PIPRS is now merged into with CPARS. CPARS is your contractor performance assessment reporting system. Government officials will use the information contained in your CPARS as one of several factors in determining which company should be awarded a contract. How do you enter into CPARS? Only the person within your company that has access to CPARS is in your SAM profile. So go to your SAM profile and look at the POC. That is the individual and only individual that can access your CPARS. And you can, may discover that there are not any records for your business in CPARS. That is because you have no contracts meeting the thresholds for report cards. For DOD, that's $1 million for services and IT, and $5 million for operations and system support, or $100,000 for all other agencies. 
Now, these numbers may have changed with the recent changes in the databases. So take this information with a grain of salt. If you have federal contracts and don't have any reports yet, please contact your buyers on all past contracts and encourage them to write something into the system. There's one way you can get around this. Buyers want assurance that you will provide a quality product. You may not have to be certified through international quality standards, but you should have well-documented quality control program that tells all of your customers how you guarantee that you will provide quality products and services. We've all experienced the thing where the, the favorite people get the contracts or it's who you know that gets the contracts. Well, many buyers are now implementing new technology, which allows for more buying decisions to be made automatically based on com- the computer. And this will hopefully eliminate that old network of it's who you know and not how well you do a job type network, as many refer to it as. For example, in Columbus, Ohio, the Defense Supply Center makes 85% of its procurement awards without human input at all. And that's pretty, pretty good. The system is known as DLA-BSM Internet Bid Board System, otherwise known as DIBS. It's a web-based application that allows you to view and submit quotes, view requests for proposals, view long-term contracts and email opportunities, access award information, view provisions, clauses, and packaging specifications, review price history, technical data, access acquisition forecasts, access automated base value systems for your performance score, access DO procurement gateway. You can access dibs at dibs.dscsc.dla.mil. I will link in today's show notes where you can access dibs automatically. And it does offer quite a bit of information. Oh, buyers also, buyers must use business clearance memorandum to demonstrate the fulfillment of statutory and regulatory responsibilities. Remember, this is only for computer-based awards. This system has an audit trail for post-award review and services as key evidence to support the contracting officer's decision in the case of disputes or reviews. So there is a way for the, the government to review it. So the government has to have a competitive range. One, they use it to evaluate officers. Two, they use it to get funding purposes for certain contracts. And three, it prevents protests by having these. So if you don't have a range, I mean, there's no more of that $200 toilet seat. So in summary, we reviewed what happens during the evaluation protest for three different bids. We're talking about the request for proposal, uh, invitation for bid, and the request for quote. We covered the factors affecting outcomes, some government databases, quality control, and the government competitive range. Please remember to hit that like button, subscribe, leave a comment, and a special thank you to all our new subscribers. Until next time, as always, stay safe.